Oldex. Codex Tyranids, 4th edition. Hive Fleet Behemoth, 745.m41. Written by Phil Kelly and Andy Chambers, with additional text by Andy Hoare and Graham McNeil, pages 6-9. to nine. Narrated by R.J. Bailey. With great thanks to Alistair for donating this copy of Codex Tyranids. High Fleet Behemoth 745.m41 The first contact the Imperium of Mankind had with the alien menace of the Tyranids took place on a little-known Imperial outpost in the Tyran system located on the southeastern fringes of the galaxy. The planet Tyran was an Adeptus Mechanicus way station, studying the virtually unknown sectors at the edge of the galaxy. Because of its isolation, the base was well protected and boasted an astropathic choir for communication with Holy Terror, over 60,000 light-years away. The Terran Primus base lay in the midst of Terran's great world-spanning oceans, dug deep into an island that was the very tip of a chain of ancient volcanoes. The base itself was fortified to resist violent storms and the attentions of the planet's voracious oceanic lifeforms. Terran Primus also had four giant defense lasers in armored silos for defense against marauding alien spacecraft and any unknown monstrosities lurking in the deep oceanic abyss. The Coming of the Tyranids The first disquieting signs of a threat from the eastern boundaries of the Imperium came in the form of reports from Tyran, telling of a number of ravaged worlds that lay at the very edge of known intergalactic space. In ancient surveys, these particular planets had been logged as supporting life, but more recent explorator scans and expeditions reported them to be barren airless rocks. At first, nothing untoward was apparent. The earlier surveys were hundreds, sometimes thousands, of years old, and inaccuracies were not uncommon. As time passed, the Tech Magi found that even worlds that were known to have thriving ecosystems had been transformed into barren planetoids. Investigation teams could find no discernible cause for the phenomena, and the reports filed with the Explorator General received little attention. The planets in question had supported no sentient lifeforms and lay thousands of light-years from the nearest human-colonized systems. In a galaxy of a million worlds, such mysteries abound. So, for a time, the information gathered dust in the hundreds of miles of data cores that formed the archives of the Administratum on Earth. As the Terran outpost dutifully continued to file reports of dead worlds, the growing body of evidence attracted the attention of an organization that abhors mysteries and unexplained phenomena, the Inquisition. Inquisitor Crippman, well respected for his far-sighted condemnation of the Macarian heresies, began to ask probing questions about events in the distant southeast. The adepts of the Explorator's office could offer little additional information, but as soon as Inquisitor Crippman compiled and analyzed reports on the extinct worlds, it became apparent 
that the phenomenon exhibited a distinct pattern and was encroaching ever deeper into the galactic rim, directly towards Tyran. The Inquisitor presented his findings to a conclave of fellow Inquisitors and received dispensation to commandeer a ship to travel to the eastern fringe and uncover more data. But even as the Inquisitor's ship was churning through the warp, Tyran came under attack. The Death of Tyran Inquisitor Crippman received word of the last message from Tyran months after the attack. By the time his ship reached the Terran system, almost a year had passed, and at first he could not equate the dead, barren planet he found to ocean-bound Terran. After a long search, Inquisitor Crippman unearthed the hidden data codex from deep below the planet's crust, and in doing so, learned the full horror of the alien threat facing the Imperium. The data codex revealed that Magos Varnak, a member of the ruling elite of the cult Mechanicus, had been involved in the survey of worlds on the eastern fringe when Tyran Primus detected a cloud of close to a thousand unidentified objects entering the star system. Varnak's own ship had been crippled by a ring of fleshy mines on the outskirts of this cloud, and though he had managed to return to base, Less than a week later, the first alien attacks began. Crippman and his aides watched grimly as footage of the storm-wracked skies of Tyran was split again and again by the blinding flash of the defense lasers striving to drive the invaders away. The uneven battle raged on for more than an hour as the brave laser crews blasted at the hundreds of invaders descending upon Tyran before... Amazingly, the enemy simply withdrew. But Crippman knew there was worse to come. Varnak had sent his three remaining system ships in pursuit of the foe, and static-riddled recordings of their augeromptics were just sharp enough to show Crippman the face of the enemy. The invaders appeared to be creatures of alien origin, vast armoured organisms with thick carapaces, that were apparently fully adapted for life in space. One by one, the system ships were quickly crippled or destroyed by the invaders. The defences of Tyran had damaged or destroyed only a dozen creatures out of a swarm of close to a thousand. Varnak had been forced to conclude that should the invaders attack again, the base on Tyran was doomed. But for some reason, Varnak's astropath had broadcast no messages. Crippman's own staff psyker, ashen-faced at the implications, announced that the disruptions in the warp left by the creature's arrival were making it almost impossible to use astrotelepathy. The data codex was the only way Varnak had found to preserve the knowledge they had bought with the life of an entire planet. Crippman watched in silence as the grainy footage showed thousands of alien pods raining through the atmosphere of Tyran. Though the laser defences were destroying any pods that would have impacted on the base, many more were falling into the sea around it. The water around the base thrashed and boiled as alien shapes emerged from their pods and hacked their way through the voracious native beasts that swarmed around them. Through the eyes of a servo-skull picked capture, 
Kryptman watched Magos Varnak monitoring the advance of the aliens from the heart of the complex on his own crystal data screens. The static-laced screen showed creatures that were upright, six-limbed, clawed, and fanged. Scattered defensive fire ricocheted off their thick hides and heavy carapaces like hailstones. On screen, the aliens smashed their way through the electrofield and armor-plaz shutters of the base as if they were made of paper and glass. Servitors guarding the dock fought back with flamers, but screaming alien giants with arms like great scythes waded forward, and Kripman watched in horror as they shrugged off the searing fires and hacked their way through the servitors. Soon, every screen on Varnak's display showed a flood of aliens spreading through the base, destroying everything they found. The Magos's finger hovered over the switch that would send the data codex plummeting into the depths of the base. Kripman found himself willing Varnak to wait, knowing that every moment of footage might give some additional insight into the enemy. The data codex ended with one final, garbled message, a fervent prayer for the Emperor's grace over a chorus of agonized screams and desperate gunfire. Varnak's last words were a dire prophecy, accompanied by a lasting image of the skies over Tyran turned black with swarming monsters. Kripman felt hollow as the realization of what he had discovered sank in. From the doomed world of Tyran, the dread invaders acquired a name at last. Tyranids. Thandros. Kripman immediately ordered his astropath to project a vision to the Imperium, but the Psyker could not penetrate the warp turmoil left by the passing of the alien fleet. Even the nearby Thandros Adeptus Telepathica Relay Matrix was obscured. In desperation, Kripman set course for Thandros in the hopes of re-establishing communications there. But the Tyranids had attacked Thandros and moved on long before the arrival of Inquisitor Kripman. Thandros was not as well protected as Tyran. The miners living in tunnels on Thandros 2 and 3 could not hide from the Tyranids or escape into space and died in the darkness beneath the planet's crust, hunted through labyrinths of their own making by unspeakable terrors. The Telepathica Matrix orbiting Thandros I was later found to have emptied all of its turret magazines and burned out its defense laser batteries before it was overrun. As with Tyran, the Telepathica adepts manning the base were unable to send word of their plight to the Imperium because of the Tyranid's psychic blockade. The Thandros system had fought and died alone. Kripman and his retinue salvaged the Telepathica Matrix and sent a message of warning to the unsuspecting Imperium of the magnitude of the Tyranid threat. His astropath, red-eyed with weariness after days of concentration, casting Varnak's codex and Kripman's report into the ether, gave the Inquisitor orders from the Lords of the Ordo Xenos to travel to the planet Macrag in the Ultramar system, the empire of the Ultramarines chapter of the Adeptus Astartes. 
There he would assist the master of the chapter in locating and eliminating the Tyranid fleet. As dictated by imperial tradition, the alien hive fleet had been codified with an ancient and forbidding name from legend. Behemoth. The Battle for Macrag. In the Macrag system, a dozen ships already hung in orbit, and each day more arrived from the warp. Orbital fortresses and ponderous system defense monitors surrounded Macrag with a ring of firepower. Lumbering space marine battle barges hung over Macrag like gigantic azure monoliths, etched with the gaping moors of weapon bays, launch tubes, and heavy bombardment turrets. These leviathans dwarfed the sleek strike cruisers arriving from the ultramarines' furthest outposts. The ultramarines were readying themselves for all-out war with the Tyranids, and Crippman allowed himself a glimmer of hope when he heard the news that Battlefleet Tempestus had finally been dispatched from the orbital docks at Bakker. Crippman had met with Marnius Kalgar, chapter master of the Ultramarines, and after long discussion agreed that Macrag was the system most immediately threatened by Hive Fleet Behemoth. Macrag itself, already well protected, was being even more heavily fortified, and would be held tenaciously by the Ultramarines and Planetary Defense Auxilia until the combined Ultramar and Imperial Fleet arrived to take on the Hive Fleet. A month later, the Tyranids attacked Macrag, and a fleet of bioships, now numbering well over a thousand vessels, swept aside attacks by Ultramarine strike cruisers defending the outlying worlds as they pushed in system. A large section of the Tyranid fleet then descended upon the garden world of Prandium, a paradise once referred to as the jewel in Ultramar's crown, and left a barren ruin in its wake. Despite Crippman's warnings, Kalgar was shocked to the core by the fate of Prandium. With no sign of the Imperial fleet from Bakka, he was forced to use the Ultramar fleet in a risky ploy. By leaving Macrag and retreating out-system, Kalgar drew the Tyranids into the defences of Macrag as they sought to encircle and invade it. The Ultramar fleet struck the aliens while they were spread out and vulnerable, successfully carving a bloody swathe through the bioships as Kalgar tried to fight his way back through to the protection of the big guns of Macrag. At the height of the battle, Ultramar fighters from Macrag crippled one of the largest Tyranid hive ships, and this seemed to fatally disrupt the cohesion of the alien fleet. The Tyranids' attacks became increasingly uncoordinated, and Kalgar's fleet reaped a great tally of fallen bioships. As the battle raged, the Tyranids unleashed thousands of spores above the vital northern and southern polar fortresses that were the keystones of Macrag's defense. Soon, thousands of Tyranids were scuttling across the ice fields towards the polar fortresses. But in the depths of space, the Ultramarines were gaining the upper hand. The battered hive ships retreated, and, desperate to prevent their escape, Kalgar's fleet gave chase. Though Kalgar feared for the polar fortresses, he knew they were well guarded by Ultramarines of the First Company, supported by Defense Auxilia and Titans of the Legio Praetor. 
Most of the first company were formed into Terminator squads, equipped with the best personal weaponry in the Imperium. Entrusting the fate of Macrag to these veteran warriors, Kalgar chose to pursue the Tyranid High Fleet. The Tyranid swarms on Macrag surged on towards the polar fortresses. A living tide of sickle-clawed beasts flowed across snowy plains scored by lasers, their numbers blurring into a shifting mass of slicing hooks and piercing talons. The ear-splitting rattle of bolters and the thump of artillery drowned out the bestial, hateful screams of the swarming tyranids, but they swept on with implacable ferocity. Slowly, the troops withdrew ever deeper into the fortress while making the tyranids pay in blood for every yard of ground. The titans of Legio Praetor stalked the ice fields and drove smoking furrows through the onrushing tyranid hordes with shells and plasma. Crippled ultramarine ships which Kalgar had left in orbit above hurled bolts of ruby flame and megatons of explosive death upon the tyranids, but still they came on. The ferocity of the swarms was unbelievable. At the northern fortress, they overran the walls by using the steaming piles of their own dead for cover. Titans were dragged down and ripped apart by sheer weight of numbers, like lions swarmed over by soldier ants. Weapon barrels glowed red-hot and jammed in spite of the arctic cold. Ammunition began to run low, though the fortress contained stockpiles for months of siege. The snows around the fortresses were stained arterial purple with Tyranid ichor. In space, Kalgar pursued the Tyranid fleet toward the ringed world of Circe at the edge of the Macrag system. The timely arrival of Battlefleet Tempestus from Bacca finally sealed the Tyranid's fate by catching them in a vice between the two armadas. The Tempestus fleet of over two hundred warships including the huge Emperor-class battleship Dominus Astra, was almost completely wiped out in a titanic battle around Circe. The battle was only won by the heroic sacrifice of the Dominus Astra, charging into the heart of the enemy and triggering its warp drives. The core of the Tyranid fleet was annihilated in the resultant warp vortex, which also dragged the Dominus Astra to oblivion. Kalgar's surviving ships came about and roared back to Macrag to try and save the beleaguered polar garrisons. When Kalgar and his surviving battle brothers returned, scenes of unbelievable carnage awaited them. Piles of mangled tyranid corpses and shattered war gear lay strewn across the ice. Vast, steaming craters pocked the snows where titan plasma reactors had melted down and the stench of death lay everywhere. Only a handful of tyranids remained at the southern fortress, but the swarms in the north fought back with unthinking ferocity. The desperate battles that ensued in and around the polar fortresses were bloody and close affairs, and many more squads of ultramarines gave their lives fighting the remnants of the alien invasion. But the Tyranids' attacks lacked strategy or coordination, and most of the creatures were cut down as they emerged from cover. In the carcass-choked corridors of the polar fortresses, the greatly reduced companies of the ultramarines 
cleared their way forward with flamers, the sheer number of alien bodies they waded through testament to their fallen brother's courage and tenacity. In the northern fortress, the remnants of the third company finally reached the lower generatorium where the first company had made their last stand. They were too late. Tyranid bodies were piled six deep around the doors, and within the room a circle of terminators lay where they had fought back to back. The Ultramarines' first company had succeeded in their defense, but in the process had been wiped out to the last man. A grievous blow to the chapter. You have been listening to Oldex, Codex Tyranids, 4th Edition, High Fleet Behemoth, 745.m41 Written by Phil Kelly and Andy Chambers, with additional text by Andy Hoare and Graham McNeil. Pages 6-8 to eight. Narrated by R.J. Bailey With great thanks to Alistair for donating this copy of Codex Tyranids. Thank you to Phil Kelly, Andy Chambers, Andy Hoare and Graham McNeil for writing the fiction I grew up with. If you've enjoyed this, please leave a review where you found it, or like, share and subscribe on YouTube, depending how you're listening. This production, like all of Oldex, is entirely unofficial and uncommercial, from an out-of-print publication, is a derivative work with all copyrights owned by Games Workshop, and is a celebration of the hobby and lore I grew up with. If you have suggestions for other old Codex fiction for me to narrate on this podcast, you can comment, contact me on Twitter at rjbailey, or email robertjbailey at gmail.com. Links are in the show description.